You're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exposition of scriptures. I'm your host and podcast preacher, Brandon Harrell. I'm the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church in East Flat Rock, nestled here in the mountains of Western North Carolina, where I've served for the past 10 years. I pray the podcast will bless your life as we study God's Word together. Jude's epistle again, and this is our 49th week dealing with this particular epistle. It's uh, 25 verses, but we've we've taken our time been studying this little epistle that deals with the apostasy of the last days, that time of great falling away that would immediately precede the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see Jude in this book Uh, giving us really three primary thoughts. First of all, we noticed the admonition that calls us to fight. He said, I was writing to you, I sat down to write unto you the common salvation, but it was needful that I should write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And that's exactly what he has done in this book. And we are to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. That body of doctrine that is held to be true by the true uh, saints of God throughout the ages, we're to earnestly contend, fight for, strive for uh, that in its fidelity and in its purity, and to defend it with our very lives. And then he begins to uh, give us some attributes that characterize the foe. We saw that in verses 5 through 19 as he dealt with the characteristics of the apostates, who they are, what they do. They're crept in unawares, he said. They deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, and they leave all that is held dear by believers. And now we're in verses 20 and following, and we're thinking about the actions that cultivate faithfulness with these dire warnings of apostasy that would come. He then gives us some procedures or some steps or some actions that we can take to ensure that we're faithful in following the Lord unto the end. And we're seeing, first of all, the edification of the saints. He says in verse 20, But ye beloved building up your cells on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep your cells in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And as we think about the edification of the saints, we notice that it involves construction. He says there that we are to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. And then we are noticing that it involves supplication or prayer. He says, praying in the Holy Ghost. We've been on this matter for several weeks and want to continue a little farther as we think about what it is to pray in the Holy Ghost today. We saw the exhortation here, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is given as a means by which we can cultivate faithfulness in our lives We thought about the explanation of prayer, what it is to pray. It is to wish, it is to want, or it is to worship. Prayer is all of that. Um, Then we thought about an example of prayer. We looked at the Lord. We digressed a little bit, looked at the Lord's model prayer that he gave to his disciples as a model for our own prayer. But now we're looking at the environment of prayer. And uh, as we think about this, 
we thought about this phrase, praying in the Holy Ghost. We're to pray in the Holy Ghost. We dealt, first of all, with the person of the Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Ghost? Well, he is God. He's not some force to be attained that we might use, but rather he is God, and we are to yield unto him that he may use us even in this matter of prayer. He is a person. He is deity. He deserves all the reverence and all of the worship that God himself deserves. He is a person. We thought about his permission, how that we have access by one spirit unto the Father through Christ, and it is the spirit that gives us access to the Father. And then we're dealing with his presence. We thought about last time how that we are indwelled by the Spirit of God if we are saved. If we don't have the Spirit, then we are none of his, the Scripture says. We talked about how we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that praying in the Holy Ghost uh, has for a prerequisite the filling of the Holy Ghost. We said that simply means to be dominated, to be directed, and to be experiencing the diffusion of the Spirit of God in our lives. It has to do with communion with God and uh, yielding ourselves over to Him, being filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, there are a couple things other that I wanted to mention about the presence of the Spirit of God in our life, and I want to do that briefly because I want to look at another passage in our next thought. But we are not to grieve the Spirit of God. If you want to hinder your prayer life, um, it is easy to do by simply grieving the Spirit of God. He tells us in Ephesians four twenty nine to 32, he mentions how that we're to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you want to hinder your prayer life, then grieve the Spirit. You say, how do you grieve the Spirit? By doing all of the things that he says not to do here, not to let corrupt communication come out of our mouth. Um, we're not to be bitter and wrathful and angry. We're not to be involved in clamor or chaos or trouble or strife. We're not to be involved in evil speaking of uh, our brethren or evil speaking in general. Uh, we're to put away all malice. We're to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, and forgive one another. Unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and malice toward our brethren will will grieve the spirit of God in a heartbeat. And, in a, and disable our ability to pray. We are not to grieve the Holy Ghost. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, we're to quench not the Spirit. Don't extinguish His work in our lives. Don't hinder His work in the life of the believer. Oh, don't quench the Spirit. You can grieve Him, and if you grieve Him long enough, you'll quench Him, and He'll leave you to yourself for a season. He will not speak to you or commune with you or direct you. What a sad shape that is to get in. But as we think about this matter, not only do we see the environment of prayer involves the person of the Spirit, his permission, and his presence, but then I would say it involves his power. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And the Spirit, is to energize our prayers. We are to pray in his authority, and he is the one who gives us the ability 
to pray. Now, I feel like this is best uh, illustrated for us or explained to us, if you will, in the book of Romans, chapter number 8, verses 26 and 27. And I just want to touch on that ver- that passage for a moment uh, today uh, on uh, standing in the gap. The scripture says there in Romans 8, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we ought, or we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit helping our infirmities. Uh, making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I think that's what uh, we have in mind in Jude when he says we are to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now let's think about these verses here in Romans just for a moment. The uh, the Verse 26 there starts out with the word likewise. That's a word that means in the same way. And so when he refers to something in the same way, what is he talking about? I believe he's referring to chapter number 8, verse 25, when he says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And so we see in that verse that uh, our patience is aided by a solid hope in the return of Christ, in a solid hope in the person and work of the Lord Jesus. Patience is aided by that hope. In other words, our hope causes us to be patient. Well, he says, likewise, in the same way, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so, as patience aids our hope, Prayer is aided by the Spirit's help. We are enabled to be patient because we have a hope. We are enabled to pray because we have help. I don't know about you, but I rejoice that I have help in the matter of prayer. I need it desperately. As was said of the disciples, uh, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak many times when it comes to the matter of prayer. And Every Christian I talk to would confess that prayer is one of the most difficult activities that they partake in. But I am so glad that as a child of God, I can pray in the Holy Ghost. I can have the aid of the Spirit of God in this matter of prayer. He says, He helpeth. The word there is sunantil lambanamahi in the Greek. It's a very long word. It's three words together. It literally means to to take hold of opposite together. Let me put that in Southerner for you so it'll be a little clearer. It means to get a hold of the other end and help us to carry. To get a hold of the other end and to help us to carry. That's what the Spirit does when it comes to this matter of prayer. In reality, prayer is too heavy a thing for us to carry by ourselves. We can get a hold of one end and drag it Uh, But oh, how we need the Spirit of God to come along and get the other end and help us to carry. He does not do the work of prayer for us, but he aids us in the work of prayer. I was cutting logs recently, cutting some trees down, carrying them off, and uh, found that it was easier when I got on one end and my coworker got on the other, and we could carry those together. And that's what the Spirit does in prayer. And then the word infirmities, it points us to our weaknesses. We are very weak in the matter of prayer. 
Um, the phrase, we know not what to pray for, what we should pray for as we ought. Uh, it has to do with uh, not the troubles that we face, but rather uh, what is intended as our struggles in the area of prayer. We don't know what is necessary to pray for, and we don't know at least specifically how to pray for the things we ought to. And so these infirmities are our weaknesses in the matter of prayer. But the Spirit maketh intercession for us. The Spirit itself, the Scripture says. God does not send an angel to help us pray or to pray for us as was taking place in the life of Daniel. But God himself in the person of his Spirit comes to our aid and takes the matter upon himself to aid us and to assist us in our prayers. And then the phrase maketh intercession. It's a, uh, he, it's a Greek word. It's another compound word, hooper, which means on the behalf of, and intunchano, uh, which means to happen upon. And so the Spirit happens upon us while we're struggling to pray and takes up our cause, interceding before the Father on our behalf. He happens upon us struggling in prayer and takes up our cause to pray on our behalf. I thought about the Good Samaritan when I read that uh, earlier. He saw that one in need who had been assailed upon by the enemy, and he picked him up, put him on his own donkey, carried him in to the city and made provision for his care. That's how the Spirit does when it comes to our prayer life. He does this with groanings which cannot be uttered. It is not our groanings that's mentioned here. It's the groanings of the Spirit. In other words, he says what we can't understand, what we can't say, and he carries that message to the Father. And then in verse number 27, it says, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The prayers that are made and interceded on our behalf by the Spirit are always acceptable to God because they're always prayed in the will of God. And the Lord that knows our hearts, when we get down on our knees and want to pray and don't know how, uh, the Spirit carries that burden, and the Lord understands and answers according to his will. Isn't it a blessing to know that he makes intercession for us? Till next time, this has been Pastor Brandon. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, you can find our church's website at www.BethesdaBaptistEastFlatRock.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at PreacherB underscore BBC. If you'd like to watch our services live streamed, you can do that on Facebook at Bethesda Baptist East Flat Rock. God bless you till we meet again.